verses 24 and 28. Acts 14, 24 through 28. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been convinced to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them. Now he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. you'll be able to see it, but if you can't, feel free to, to move to the front. Let me say at the outset how grateful that Carla and I are for your love and support. We love the Dripping Springs congregation. And for those of you who may not know, uh, I was born in Dripping Springs, was raised here. Carla's dad uh, was a preacher here. He and Jan uh, Janice worked here for a number of years. And so uh, we go back a, a lot of years. And uh, my dad served as one of the elders here. And, of course, Rowan is my brother-in-law. And on and on we could go with the friendships, the relationships, our relatives that are still a part of this congregation. And uh, it is our home, and we love you very, very much. And we will always um, be in debt to you for not only your encouragement over the years, but uh, even just most recently for uh, saving my life. And quite literally, as a lot of you know, sitting back at the auditorium, November the 29th, I think it was, and so uh, I better stop there. I might, <laughs> I didn't intend to say anything about that, but I do, again, just can't tell you enough about all the prayers, uh, the encouragement. I'm feeling much better, and about 100%, uh, I do forget a few names now and then, uh, but Carla said I had that problem before anyway, so I don't know what my excuse is, but I'm really here today, this morning, to remind us of this world that we live in and the seven billion souls that are alive on planet Earth today. And if we're not careful, that number can be just a statistic. And what we need to remember is that that seven billion souls represents our family members, our relatives, our co-workers, our neighbors, people that will one day inhabit eternity and people that need to know about the love of God. Jesus died for the entire world. Jesus himself said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That invitation to be a part of God's family and to enjoy this sweet and wonderful fellowship with God forever and ever and ever and ever is available to every soul. And so it needs to be heralded. It needs to be proclaimed and announced to every single solitary person alive on planet Earth and that will maybe be alive one day. As long as this Earth stands, there are people that will inhabit eternity, and we need to be ready. They need to know about the love of God. So God has given us a great mission 
with various goals in mind. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And so God has given us this great commission, this responsibility to make disciples. Not enough just to teach and to baptize them, but we must also continue to encourage, to edify, to instruct them in the paths of righteousness, to help them and all of us to see what God would have us to do and how he wants us to be a light to the world and to enjoy the blessings that he has even in the here and now. So what an obligation, what a responsibility, and what a blessing to not only do that, but also to do this. As Paul told Timothy, the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So not only does the entire church have the obligation of making the gospel known and making disciples, but we also have a unique responsibility to train others to do the same. So that's a part of what I'm going to talk about, uh, as among other things as well, in regard to the work that Carl and I were, were privileged to start uh, about five years ago called Bible Passages, in which this congregation has been a big supporter of uh, over these past five years, both congregationally and many of you as individuals have uh, supported us financially, have prayed for us, have helped us in many, many ways, and we are indeed grateful and indebted to you for that. Because of you, we've been able to be involved in these four areas of our work that involves training preachers, equipping the saints, defending the faith, and guiding souls to Jesus. Now, I'm not going to go over everything that's been happening over the last five years or even the last two years since our last report here, but I do want to summarize uh, just a few things for you. When we talk about Bible passages, really, we're talking about our involvement in a number of different ministries. For example, we're talking about the work that we get to do six months out of the year at the Bear Valley Bible Institute. I'll say more about that in just a moment. Uh, about our marriage seminars, Bible passages involves you're allowing us to be able to travel from place to place, just as uh, we did uh, recently to Arizona. We were able to go over to the uh, San Gabriel Oaks congregation in Georgetown and conduct a marriage seminar there. It involves uh, Carla working with the uh, Gospel Advocate uh, publication in the uh, articles. She's uh, a columnist there for the Gospel Advocate publication in Christian Woman magazine. And also her work, Walking Where Jesus Walked, that I'll talk more about in just a moment. And uh, the Bible Land Passages, again, the Bible Land passages, and of course with World Video Bible School. So those are some of the things that uh, we get to be involved in, works that were already ongoing, uh, except Bible Land passages to a large extent, but we get to be associated with it because of your support and encouragement that you give to us. Let me just mention a few things that hopefully will, will help us as we think about uh, some of the good news that's going out that you, again, uh, have had a huge part in. When I was here working as a full-time minister, this congregation, the eldership here, allowed me to work on the Searching for Truth evangelistic video series that uh, was made available through World Video Bible School on the DVDs and then uh, now online and also translated or uh, also put into a book form. 
but there have been 1.25 million of those DVDs that have gone out over the last several years. Of course, very few people watch or utilize DVDs anymore, but there are still some that are requesting them. So we're still producing those and still sending those out. But it is available online at the searchingfortruth.org uh, website, and you can watch that entire series or pass it along to others, and it will help them to see what they need to do to become a Christian, what the church is, about the love of God, and uh, about how to worship and various things like that. That book uh, has been translated just even recently into Mandarin over the last few years. It's been uh, translated into Swahili, into Spanish, and also into Korean. And we mention these things uh, because not only you've helped to support this, but we want you to know so that you can tell others. There may be uh, friends of yours that live in Korea, someone that uh, lives in mainland China or that speaks Mandarin uh, somewhere around Southeast Asia, and you would like to send them some information about the gospel. Well, here's a great resource and great way of doing that. So, uh, again, the emphasis is upon souls and getting that message out there. So we wanted you to know about that. We also wanted you to know about this work that Carla's been involved in in her blog, Walking Where Jesus Walked, that also involves other elements that uh, have been really encouraging to a lot of women, but also men who have taken up the task to write the scripture uh, over the last two years. Carla put together this book. It's a free download, and it involves each day just simply writing out scripture, and then if you want to, looking at it more in depth and, and sharing your notes uh, online in this Facebook group, and she has been so diligent to do that. I don't think she's missed a day in two years. Uh, puts me to shame about how diligent she is in studying scripture, but encouraging uh, various individuals in the church and primarily women who are involved in this, but over 11,000 downloads. We've been hearing about congregations that will download it and then they'll copy it and share it. And the women's groups that meet maybe on Tuesday mornings together, they do that uh, every Tuesday and, and write several days worth uh, of scriptures. And then there are over 2,000 that are involved in the Facebook group. So thank you for allowing us the time to be able to dedicate to things like that. Another work that uh, we've been blessed to be a part of because of you is the uh, work in defending the faith. 1 Peter 3.15, Peter said, be ready always to give an answer. Now I know that's in the context of Peter talking about suffering and the struggle that we as Christians may face as they did some 2,000 years ago with persecution and trials and just the challenge of living the Christian life and that we need to be ready to make our confession about Jesus Christ. But there's a Greek word there, the word apologia, that's translated answer, that means to give a defense. And it, of course, has become a discipline within theological studies overall that has to do with the organized and systematic effort of defending the faith. One of the areas that we felt like was missing in the church was the data and the information and all of the evidences associated with both geography and archaeology. Now, a lot of good work is being done by a number of brethren in the area of apologetics, but that little niche of er that little small point or area within apologetics of focusing on the geography and the archaeology, we felt like just wasn't maybe being represented enough 
or we didn't have the resources for the church that we thought they ought to have. So we started this work called Bible Land Passages with the objective of edifying the church, providing resources for the believer, and also defending the faith. So we've been to Israel on numerous occasions, uh, stayed a couple of summers there, took uh, film crews with us to capture uh, the lay of the land, the customs, the uh, archaeological evidences, to come back and put them in documentary form, but also to allow other groups in the church to utilize what we've captured. For example, uh, some of the resources are being used by Apologetic Press, and a lot of them, of course, being used by World Video Bible School. I found it interesting that Apologetics Press, many of you are associated with them and know them and the good work that they've continued to do over the years. Here, Kyle Butt put together a video, a very short one, called uh, Nine Discoveries That Confirm the Bible. Uh, it's been out since 2018. It's had over 2 million views. Now, if you go back and look at those discoveries that he's put together, uh, more than half of the video in there are captured by uh, Matt Kane and the video crew that we took to the Bible Lands. And so a lot of the resources that were used for that film came from Bible Land passages. So, again, other groups are allowed to use this and church here and other places can download the photos and have access to a lot of these good resources. One of the things that we've just completed is the Volume 3 series in the documentary programs that are all about 25 minutes in length. And they are not only documentaries about various sites and places to confirm what the Bible says, but there is always a faith lesson associated with them. So we encourage people to watch them, not just from a pure historical uh, perspective, just to bolster our faith, but maybe also to watch them during a time in which you're distressed, you're having problems. Uh, one of the videos that we like to share with people is called uh, Judah, I'm sorry, uh, Judah, David's Testing Ground of Faith. And that one is about David going through some hardships and trials and difficulties. Again, emphasizing that that story took place in a real geographical setting, in a, in a real historical context. And then also then to draw lessons from his life that will help us in our own walk of faith. And then there are various evangelistic elements associated with it. When we talk about going up to the temple via the southern steps, the steps that were discovered uh, during uh, the last uh, uh, 20 or 30 years and various other elements of the temple that was in place during the time of Christ, and the discovery of all of these ancient baptistries around the southern end of where the temple was located remind us that even before Peter started preaching on the day of Pentecost, that Jews were going up to the temple, and before they did, they would immerse themselves and ascend these steps and do so in a very humble fashion before they came into the presence of God. So it's a great opportunity in that documentary to show people that there were already numerous baptistries there at the Temple Mount when Peter and the rest of the apostles in Acts chapter 2 preached about Jesus and about how to become a Christian. And 3,000 souls were baptized into Christ. And we show those old baptistries that were there. And we talk about then the significance 
of purifying ourselves when we come into the presence of God. So there are a lot of connections, a lot of faith-building aspects to these videos that we want to encourage you to watch. They're all free online. You can can, uh, go to YouTube and you can uh, Google them or whatever and be able to locate them. Uh, If you have an Amazon Prime account, they're available on Amazon Prime or a VidAngel account. They're available there or Faith Life TV. And there are other platforms uh, as well where they can be accessed. Um, I know this is a lot of information, but I just want you to know about it so that we can share them with others to build their faith, to point them to God, to, ins- to strengthen and encourage them along the way. You can also go to the website, uh, BibleLandPassages.org, and there are the documentaries. There are also a number of what we call reflection videos of what it was uh, describing or discussing what it was like to be in these places, to, to just give people perhaps a little more of an emotional uh, attachment to these areas and their significance, and then also to just give you an idea of the photos that are a representation of them, that then you can go to World Video Bible School and buy them for basically at cost a thousand or plus photos of the Bible lands to utilize in your uh, classroom environment, uh, uh, maybe here at the office, uh, if you're doing some advertising about a gospel meeting and you just need a sunset, then you can download that uh, picture of that uh, sunset and use it, high resolution photos, again, resources for the church and for every individual. A number of these photos were taken by Doug Garner, Janice's son, Carla's brother, and also Michael Height, one of our instructors at the Bear Valley Bible Institute. And there are a few that I actually took with my nice little iPhone. Those things are incredible nowadays, what they can do. So, uh, but, and we're, we're updating that, adding more and more photos to the site. Our newest project that we want you to know about that's coming out in March uh, is called Connections. There's a picture here of Matt Kane that we owe a great deal of gratitude and, uh, to and thanks to. And you know him, he's a member of this congregation. He's a videographer, been working at World Video Bible School for a number of years, and uh, I have just thoroughly enjoyed, Carla and I both, being able to, to work with him and his creative ability and his artistic uh, ability to design these videos is tremendous. I just provide a lot of the content. We come together and talk about it. He does all the layout, design of it. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, our newest project with shorter videos, because as much as it pains my heart to say it, People are watching shorter videos now, so we're having to to scale it down to about five minutes. We do have one that's nine minutes that's going to be released here about the Battle of Armageddon and the uh, place of Megiddo over near the Jezreel Valley. So we're we're putting together this newest series called Connections, Exploring Faith and Fact. And uh, we'll also have various components that will add to it over time, including... Uh, this that was already actually added to the last series of videos, uh, the last few documentaries that is, that came out, and that is these 3D images and models that you can manipulate and utilize and take a virtual tour of a number of these ancient biblical sites. Patrick Hammett at the uh, San Gabriel Oaks congregation has joined our team and is helping us to provide these kinds of images, again, this is, if you were to watch the video, you would know that these are moving and you move throughout these buildings to help us see 
what Herod's palace was like, where most likely the Apostle Paul was brought to in Acts 21 and 22 when he was on trial uh, and stayed there some two years after his arrest in Jerusalem and just prior to going to, to Rome. Paul stayed here at Caesarea. He came in and out of this port on several occasions uh, as he went to preach the gospel. What was that city like? How sophisticated was it? What did Paul face during that time that maybe can encourage us in our own walk of faith? I'm going to tell you, when you, when you see these uh, images, and we did all of our research and homework to try to put it together and to be accurate according to archaeology and what we know uh, from what the Bible says and other writings of ancient history, to let people know the world in which the Bible came into existence was a highly sophisticated, technically advanced society with numerous philosophies and ideologies, and uh, they were highly advanced. And so the gospel penetrated that world and changed lives. And I want to remind us that it can do the same today. We are advanced, yes, technologically. There are numerous philosophies and, and ideologies and wor religious worldviews that are in existence today. But we can still do it just like they did 2,000 years ago. And they didn't even have a computer, right? They didn't have a Bible and passages. They just had individuals that went from house to house and lived out the Christian life in the presence of their neighbors. And what a great and wonderful uh, life they lived in order to bring people to Jesus. So some of the things that are coming up soon will be uh, connection videos about the temple that was in existence during the time of Christ, and we'll navigate through here, through this temple, and talk about uh, the balustrade inscription from Ephesians chapter 2. Do you remember when Paul said that there is no longer a middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile? And when Paul wrote that, where was he? He was in prison at Rome. And why was he there? Because if you trace back through the book of Acts, and what took place in Paul's life, he had been accused of starting a riot in Jerusalem, of taking Gentiles into the inner sanctuary of the temple. And these Jews sought to kill him, and then he was rescued by Roman soldiers, taken to Caesarea, put on trial, and while he's there on trial, of course, he preaches the gospel, but these Jews come up from Jerusalem and says, Paul... Uh, is an insurrectionist. He's teaching us to do things that are contrary to the law of Caesar. And Paul makes his defense there and he goes to Rome. Now what started all that? Paul was accused of taking people past, and we'll show this in detail, this little balustrade wall where inscriptions have been discovered within the last 100 years, or two of them now, that actually confirm what Paul was talking about in Ephesians 2. There was truly a wall. And on that inscription, it says basically this, that no Gentile or foreigner was to go beyond this point, and if they did, they did so on pain of death. The Jews might take it into their own hands to kill somebody who would go over that wall. So there was literally a barrier around the inner sanctuary of the temple where people could come and make their sacrifices, but not the Gentiles. And so that distinction, that division, existed in a very uh, visible way during that time. 
And I think about Paul writing from a Roman prison cell saying, God has eliminated those. We need to remember that there should be no division between Jew and Gentile, bond or free, male or female, between those of different nationalities or ethnic groups. We talk about a problem of division with what's going on in our world today, religiously, racially. The answer is to be found in Jesus Christ. The answer is to be found in the gospel. So uh, a part of these connection videos will be making connections like that. What have we learned from archaeology? And what do we learn in the Bible? And what is it that archaeology confirms about the Bible? Or maybe even give us a little greater insight uh, into some of these wonderful biblical truths. So uh, please pray for us in this effort as a number of these will be released before too long. And then finally, let me say this, and, and there are so many other things that I'd like to talk to you about. This is just sort of a summation. But a major part of our work, again, that you're allowing us to have the time to do is to be able to go to the Bear Valley Bible Institute in Denver and spend approximately six months out of the year there uh, to teach classes. And Carla has just recently been appointed the Dean of Women, and she has a, a big job on her hand of not only uh, providing instruction uh, in these classes, but also to be able to uh, meet the needs and help facilitate uh, or help uh, minister to these young ladies and older ladies alike that are enrolled in the program. I don't know how much you know about Bear Valley Bible Institute, but it is actually a major program that involves over 40 schools in 26 countries. Now, we only have one in the United States, and that's at Denver. But instead of bringing everybody to Denver from all over the world to train them, they've taken their model and gone to a congregation or an area where there is support to establish a school and then educate men and women in the Bible right there in their own country and hopefully within their own city as these schools continue to expand. And what's important about that is this. When that happens, it prevents people from coming over here and staying. And that happens a lot. A lot of individuals from around the world, especially third world countries, will come to the United States, receive their Bible education, and they get a taste of the American life, but then they want to stay. And I can't hardly blame them in some ways, but that's what happens. So what if we train them over there? Not only are they more likely to stay, but also the congregation gets the benefit of being able to take these classes and, uh, and see firsthand what's happening in the development of these students. Occasionally, we do bring some students over here if, again, there's no school in their country, but we're privileged now to have over 40 schools. The one that Carla and I are involved in is the one, of course, as I mentioned, at Denver, and this was the student body just before COVID hit, and uh, I only knew what was, you know, was going to lie ahead there for us in terms of online schooling for the next year with Bear Valley. But nevertheless, that was our student body there at a chapel service. And I, I wanted you to know, to see these faces, to, to see that these individuals are going to be going out and sharing the good news and working with other congregations. Sometimes people ask, well, where do you stay? Where do you live? Well, you're looking at it. This is the school, the, the campus, the church building, and that, that little house there that uh, dates back to the 50s, has been remodeled on the inside. It's been a number of things over the years, including a, a huge storage shed 
but right before we got there, they, they cleaned it up, painted it, and uh, put, a, put some new cabinets in there, and it was wonderful. And uh, so when we moved there, the first month, we didn't even fill up our gas tank the entire month. That's hard to believe, living in Texas, right? We all know you got to fill up your gas tank generally once a week. But just walk right across the sidewalk, and there's the school. So that's where we stay uh, when we're there, and we're blessed to be able to do that and to be involved in, in the uh, lives of the students. We have them over. We do various things with them. And then here is the graduating class from 2019. Here is the COVID class, 2020. See, they couldn't even get together for a, a group picture. Isn't that sad? Anyway, uh, here is the 2020 class. And then here is the most recent class, 2021, at Bear Valley. Out of that group, let me just share with you a few stories, or out of these, these last three groups, about individuals and where they are now, and people that we've been blessed to get to know in a very personal way, and that is Andrew and Kristen Arbuckle. This congregation is also supporting that work. Oh, I wish I had time to tell you the story behind all of this and the Wahiawa congregation where Dad uh, helped to uh, establish that church when he was in the military back in the 50s. But they are there. They're graduates of Bear Valley. We got to know them, great couple. Uh, also, Edmund and Christiana Sakong, they have dual citizenship, and they were in the United States. They're originally from Ghana, and they just returned to Ghana, and he is beginning to establish a school there in Ghana. So wonderful, wonderful couple. We love them. One of the things he says every day and probably seven or eight times a day, you ask him, Edmund, and how you doing? By his grace. I love that. He'd always say, by his grace, always reminding us of the goodness of God. Here is a couple that uh, is from Wuhan, China. They were here, by the way, before the, you know, COVID got here. Just wanted you to know that. Uh, but bless their heart. When it hit in full force around the world, uh, they were already had already been enrolled in school, and uh, I'll tell you, it was it was really tough on them because their family, loved ones were right there at the heart of the epicenter of you know of that breakout, and uh, but they're back there now, and so uh, doing a great work, and we love and appreciate them. He has a rich background in science, uh, uh, several degrees in science, and but a long story about why he got out of there. But I wanted you to know about them that we've come to know and love and appreciate and been able to help uh, in various ways. Then just down the road, there's a new intern, just graduated this last year, Colton and Katie Balance. If you don't know them, you're going to get to know them because they'll be over here some, and we are so impressed with this good couple who actually came from Coots, Texas. That's where he's from, and she's from the Oklahoma area originally. And what a wonderful, wonderful couple, such talent, such ability. And we look forward to hearing great things about them in the church, but uh, we, we came very close to them while we were there. And then this last one I want to share with you before I end with just a, a short exhortation, and that is Evan and Crystal Totacini. They were uh, some of the first students that we got to know when we started back at Bear Valley several years ago. And uh, Evan grew up on the Navajo Reservation, and Evan mother had obeyed the gospel early in life, and so he had some influences uh, from the church early on, but uh, he had never become a Christian, but he was a friend with a guy, 
uh, I want to say, I'm not going to think of his name, Josh Austin, Josh Austin, who also grew up on the Navajo reservation. And, uh, and Josh um, was a great basketball player, uh, played basketball at uh, Memphis. And um, is it Memphis? I thought I'm asking the wrong person over there. Uh, but he played basketball, uh, no, not at Memphis, at Denver. That's how he came to school at Bear Valley. He played basketball uh, for Colorado uh, University and uh, met his wife there, who, uh, interestingly enough, was a, a cheerleader for the Denver Nuggets. And uh, so he was at a basketball game, met her, eventually converted her, and then they decided they were going to go to school. Well, he wanted to go back to the Navajo Reservation in Arizona and preach the gospel to his Native American friends and brothers and sisters. And so he did. And that's where Evan Totichini met up with him again. And uh, in fact, uh, Josh had sought him out and found out that he was enrolled at, uh, at Arizona State University and finishing up his degree there. And he taught him the gospel. They started a campus work. And then Josh went to Bear Valley. I mean, Evan went to Bear Valley and graduated. And now both of them have gone back and are working together in Mesa, Arizona. They started a new congregation. It's called the Salt River Church of Christ. But even more significant than all that, look at this. They are going to the Navajo Reservation. Now think about Arizona and how much of Arizona really belongs to the Native American people, a sort of nation within a nation. And many of those people uh, in those areas, sadly, are living in poverty and destitute situations. Uh, we went by houses while we were out there, drove by them, didn't stop, but we were on the way. Uh, these friends of ours that we went to see had taken us to the Grand Canyon. On the way there, just the numerous houses without electricity or running water. Evan and Josh and their families spend two days every week driving out there. They spend the night, and they evangelize in these areas. Some nine congregations now have been started. It's difficult. It's challenging from a social, uh, social perspective of trying to overcome some of their prejudices that they've had about the white men, and I would say rightfully so after some of the stories we heard and the name of religion that took place out there in the last 100 years or so. But Evan and, and Josh and their families are doing a tremendous work. And so just recently, we got to spend some time with them when we were out in Arizona and uh, to hear about the challenges of that work. Please pray for them. Uh, they're working in a congregation. There's no elders. All this is on their shoulders. But they're doing a tremendous job in evangelizing Arizona. So your work has allowed us or your support has allowed us to be able to spend time in working with couples like these. Now, as I conclude, we ask you to pray for us. We thank you for what you've done to help us. And if you want to know more and you want to get on the mailing list to receive the monthly report, you can go to BiblePassages.net. There are also some resources on there as far as other videos beyond just the Bible Land Passages and also bulletin articles and materials that and marriage books that uh, you might find helpful. As we close, I want to call your attention to a passage in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Open up your Bibles, and we're going to spend just a couple of moments noticing something. Matthew.
Matthew wrote his gospel to largely a Jewish community. And yet all of us today are privileged to read about this Jesus of Nazareth. And as we do, our faith is established, it's strengthened as we see this man Jesus in action. What he did, the compassion and the love that he had for people, the good works that he performed, the miracles that he performed to confirm that he was who he said he was. And that is Jesus the Son of God. And ultimately, then, as Matthew records testimony, eyewitness testimony about those who had seen Jesus resurrected from the grave to further confirm the uniqueness of this man who came to save us from our sins, we read through Matthew and we learn about what it means to be in the kingdom about this good news of the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of Christ in the world and forevermore. And as this gospel is preached from synagogue to synagogue, as recorded by Matthew, we come to Matthew chapter 9. And oh, there are my glasses. All right. We come to Matthew chapter 9 and look at verse 35. That when Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. He saw the crowds and he had compassion for them. So sort of a summary statement of what's been happening in these last nine chapters of what Jesus has been doing and where he's been going and the kind of person that he is, the kind of person that you have faith in, that you believe in, those of you that are sitting here and listening from other places this morning, you have been convinced about the greatness, the goodness of Jesus Christ and the compassion that he has on people. It says he had this compassion because they noticed that they were harassed, they were helpless, they were like sheep without a shepherd. So what did Jesus say needed to be done? In verse 37, he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Sometimes we don't always know what to do when we think about that seven billion souls that I started out our presentation with this morning. What can I teach them? What do I share with them? Well, we've provided some resources that hopefully will allow you to be able to maybe be more even effective than what you've been perhaps in the past in doing that. But sometimes the opportunities may not always present themselves in the way that we would like. What can we do and what can maybe a widow woman or a widower do who feels like they can't get out? Uh, maybe they have... Uh, lost their ability physically to, to get out like they used to. What can they do? Right here, God tells us something that we all can do. That is to pray. Pray diligently that we might find laborers to go into the field. So I want to encourage you to do that today and every day. Not just praying for Carla and I, 
calling me, but for praying for us to have opportunities to find other men and women to train that they might go out and do the same thing. I want to share with you a personal story, and then I'm going to end. Just this summer, we began hearing because of COVID, because of uh, in Denver, that it's a little hard to find a place to live that's affordable, that our student enrollment began to drop this year. And I got to thinking, well, you know, a part of maybe the problem is we haven't been praying enough. In fact, I got to thinking, I, I don't know that I even remembered within the last several months or maybe even the last year of praying specifically that the Lord would send us students. And I, I was rather ashamed of myself. Here I am working in a school. You'd think that would be the thing that we would be praying a lot about. Lord, send us students and more people to train. So I started thinking more about that, and I started praying more diligently. And I'm not saying that because of my prayer this happened, but it certainly made me aware of how God does answer prayer. It wasn't more than about two weeks later I got a phone call from a 27-year-old man in Ireland whose dad is a missionary over there. He's had a, health, had a number of health problems. He has dual citizenship there and here. And he hasn't been able to get over here, but all of a sudden doors started opening. And he said, I want to come to school there. And I said, well, uh, you know, Mackenzie, I don't know if that's going to happen this soon. Uh, maybe January because we have two enrollment periods. He called me back a week later. He said, I'm going to pray about it. And he got other people to praying about it. And all of a sudden things started coming together. He doesn't have all of his support yet, but he has what he needs to get started and a place to live couple there has opened up their home to him to stay and on on uh, july the 29th he'll be flying to ireland to bear valley to enroll in a school there god answers prayer we need to be praying about these seven billion souls and about sending laborers into the vineyard maybe you have a desire to go to school at bear valley or to learn more about the unsearchable riches of christ what can we do to encourage you and help you to do that. I know the very least thing that you can do, I, and I wouldn't even say least, it would be the greatest, is to pray. May God help us to fulfill the mission and the task he's given to us. And God, thank you. I thank you, and we thank God for all of you for helping us to have a small part in that mission. If we can encourage you this morning by praying with you or maybe even baptizing you into Christ, can offer this invitation and extend it to you in a very special way this morning. Come, will you come as together we stand and as we sing.